0: well these are exciting days in which we live aren't they and uh if you're visiting here for the first time and i would like to uh say welcome my name is uh pastor steve and i'm glad that you're here with us uh and uh just one family note today at 4 p.m. we will have the celebration um of the homecoming and the resurrection of uh ed pitts uh, so Uh, We uh, had the interment yesterday, uh, but we will celebrate and remember uh, a very godly and good man who had a kingdom heart. Well, let me uh, move us through just a, a short time of studying the Word. As many of you know, we have been looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus himself. And we specifically have been beginning that process in Matthew chapter 5, which is where the Sermon on the Mount um, actually begins. <clears throat> and as I've said, just a short recap here, the, Jesus began his sermon actually be, before he went up on the hill. He simply said some very revolutionary things, and one of which was that the kingdom of God is available to every person. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's as close as the air that we breathe. Or the hand that we see uh, when we hold it up. And that kingdom then is available through Jesus. And through Jesus, real transformation is possible. Can you say that with me? Real transformation is possible. Some of you didn't participate. Let's say that. Real transformation is possible. You see, because the king has invited us into his rule. And where the king rules, then transformation is the reality. Now, the key to this change is following or allowing the the rule of Jesus uh, to have its way in our mind and in our heart. That's what repentance means. It means to turn away from well, foolish things, and to grasp by faith the new order of Jesus being the Lord and the Savior of our lives. It's really very simple. Jesus said, repent and follow me, because the kingdom is available, and you get to be a part of it. Uh, so as we um, have been seeing that Jesus, if you take uh, the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been teaching by way of contrast the old versus the new. And if you've been here for the past few weeks, you're aware of that. Jesus has been teaching and sharing that the old righteousness, you know, those who thought they were righteous because, for example, they hadn't murdered. Jesus said, well, you need to look a little bit closer because it's not about whether you have or haven't murdered that makes you righteous. It's a matter of what's in your heart. The kingdom is about heart. Uh, so, uh, the old righteousness then was uh, contrasted, that is the law and isolated behavior was the old, and it was contrasted then to the new righteousness revealing the kingdom heart that God creates in us. It's the transformation, it's a heart changed by the king being in residence. Remember that old song, you know, uh, what's it? Say it again. Joy is the flag that flies on the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. I remembered. You see, that's the point. When the king is in residence, then certain aspects of his domain begin to come out of our lives. And that's what Jesus has been teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. And the first contrast, if you will remember, was about murder. You've heard it said in times of old, don't murder. But I say to you, whoever is angry and has contempt and uses evil words to slaughter and destroy other human beings, you've already committed murder. So Jesus is pressing the issue about the kingdom into where he wanted us to understand its reign, its rule, its region uh, is, is the area of our heart. And then he said not only murder, uh, but adultery. You've heard it said don't commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks with the purpose of lust and therefore allows fantasized desire for another person has already committed adultery. So Jesus was taking the old notion that men and women could be righteous because they've not done the act... And he's pressing it to a deeper level of the heart, saying it's about where the king is ruling in the heart. Disciples of Jesus, real apprentices, people who want to make a difference in the world are those who allow the king to establish his reign in the places of their hearts. That's the point that Jesus has been making. And then the third contrast is divorce. Uh, well, if Moses said you can give a pink slip... You write your spouse off, your wife off, specifically, and give them a pink slip, and then you're still righteous with regard to that relationship. And Jesus said, no, you're not. You see, what Jesus is after is the understanding of a kingdom relationship in the the relationship between a husband and a wife, and a wife and a husband. So then we come to this fourth contrast, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and it actually begins at verse 33 if you have your Bible uh, turn there and I'll pick up a reading here for just a minute and this contrast is actually about swearing and making oaths now it's kind of hard to understand here but I think we'll get the the point of it in just a minute beginning in verse 33 uh, Jesus said again you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform the oaths, your oaths, to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all, uh, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear By your own head, because you can't make one hair either black or white. But let your yes simply be yes, and your no simply be no, for whatever more there is than that comes from the origin of evil. Now, let's sort of process through this a little bit and see what Jesus um, is talking about. Swearing or making an oath was common during the days of Jesus. And we'll see that here in just a minute. Um, Today, however, their swearing has little more value than to create the context of perjury in a court of law. You know, put your hand on the Bible and raise your right hand. It's okay. Just bear with us here for a minute. Put your hand on the Bible and raise your hand and repeat after me. You're swearing an oath. To, to something higher than yourself now in our day that has little other meaning than to create a context for possible perjury in a court of law although we use swear language i swear it's true or or i i i swear on a stack of bibles so we have those kinds of sayings the appeal to a higher authority than yourself is what jesus is talking about here now in the time of Jesus it meant significantly more now if you if you look at hebrews 6 um it says this and i printed it out for you uh, men indeed swear by the greater see a greater authority and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of the dispute in other words uh, when men uh swear by something higher than themselves it creates a context by which they're trying to shortcut reasoning and say this is the way it is I'm I'm swearing on a higher authority and I'm doing it to bring an end to dispute now let's push that further and and see if we can understand what Jesus is talking about now the old righteousness that Jesus was uh, then teaching in the Sermon of, on the Mount, was that you could in fact swear, if you read Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the parallel text here, if you read those two things, you were allowed to swear on something higher than yourself. I swear by the temple. I swear by the God of heaven. I swear by something higher than yourself. You could do that, but the Scripture said just don't do it foolishly or in vain foolishly or falsely what does it mean to swear falsely or foolishly it means you're swearing something just to get your will just to accomplish your purpose you you can swear don't do it foolishly or falsely and if you do perform an oath you have to perform make sure you keep your word now jesus as we've seen with murder and adultery And as we've seen with divorce, Jesus always went to the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is really why a person would swear at all. To impress other people uh, with our sincerity and our reliability in order to get our way. Do you see that? I swear by the temple. Now... We swear to something higher than ourselves because we're so convinced that we understand and we want it our way that we attribute what we're saying. The, the, the validity of what we are saying, we're giving it authenticity and impact by swearing to a higher um, authority than yourself in order to get our own way. Now, in other words, swearing is a device of manipulation and control designed to override the judgment and the will of another person in order to get them to do what we want. Can it be any clearer than that? Any time in life when you act in such a way to manipulate another human being or to control their will in order to get your way, see, that's this thing of swearing in your heart. And Jesus said, you don't want to do that. Uh, So this, in order to get our own way, is the key point here. Now, Jesus, when he was teaching here in uh, those who are on the hill, he, he reminds them who we are. The kingdom is available, and you're invited into relationship with me. And therefore, he reminds us that we are, first of all, disciples. And church, I would remind you that if you're a follower of Jesus... First of all, you are a disciple of Jesus, one being disciplined and a learner of what the king says, because Jesus wants us not just to understand information, but to have a heart transformation and walk in this way. Hello? That's what Jesus wants for you. He wants me to live this out in our lives. That's what disciples do. So first we're disciples and then men and women who have a new heart. God when we trust in Jesus he gives to you and to me a new kingdom heart so that the king then will be able to influence us and we don't have to worry about influencing other people and thirdly Jesus reminds us that the king lives in us and he's the one that's influencing us now The evil, then, that Jesus is talking about here, uh, is addressing, is the manipulation and control of others. And uh, is simply inherently wrong approach to any human relationship. What Jesus... Let me say that again. What Jesus is teaching here is that any time we in any way try to manipulate and control other people's it is inherently evil when it's about getting our own way guess what I am not God he is he has the right to control another person and when human beings try to manipulate and control and influence out of their flesh it always comes from evil and therefore Jesus uh, said uh, swearing manipulating and controlling others just don't do it that's what verse uh, 34 actually says uh, don't swear at all uh, don't swear by heaven because heaven is God's throne he made the firmament God made heaven and don't swear by the earth because it's his footstool it's God's domain And then thirdly, don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Now, all Jesus is doing here is he's looking at those things that men and women swear by. I swear by heaven. I swear by the firmness of earth. I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by uh, even your own head. And Jesus said, no, you can't even make one. You can't make one hair on your head change color. Why would you therefore swear by it? We have another individual. We have another person. We have another dynamic and power that is alive within us who alone changes a man or a woman. And what Jesus is opting for here is transparent communication as we love God and love other people so that God can work in their lives the same way He has worked in ours. So Jesus said in verse 37 then, simply let your yes be yes. What's hard about that? And let your no simply be no. For anything beyond that actually comes from evil. So, all of us have been manipulated and attempted to be controlled by other people in our lives. Or we have seen it done. Or we have done it ourselves. You understand? That's what Jesus was talking about. The kingdom of God is where God rules and we don't get to rule. It's where we desire His will to be done rather than my will. Do you know my will is sometimes faulty? My understanding is sometimes incorrect. In fact, I remember the prophet Isaiah saying, Your ways aren't like my ways. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts. You don't need to control other people to what you think is God's highest and best for them. Just take care of your own heart. Is the point of Jesus' teaching here. So persuading and manipulating and controlling others is the supreme way of forcing our will, not the will of the king. Now this hits folk hard. Because we're humans. And we think we know what is best for each other. Uh, However, in teaching his disciples, Jesus in the next chapter, uh, you remember, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Oh. Thy will be done. See, that's different than my will. My will means I know what's best for Tim, for example. And I'm going to try to pressure him and maybe even in my flesh coerce him or or manipulate him to doing what I think is right. No, the disciple of Jesus... The apprentice of Jesus who wants to walk in the truth of God's word and in his power simply recognizes that God is able to change another person's heart. He's demonstrated that by changing our own. Uh, So that this teaching, uh, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will then is the point of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom here. But you know what, if we're real honest... That's the stuff that we really struggle with as people. Hello? Aren't we? Doesn't it? Isn't that the stuff? I mean, I know what my will is. And I'm pretty good at speaking about my will. Jesus said, you know what, Steve? I have a will that's bigger than yours. I have a kingdom that's much bigger than your kingdom. I have a way of drawing people into my kingdom that so transcends your understanding of the kingdom. Why don't you let me do that? Is that a message for anybody here this morning? Now, all we do and all we say should simply be a transparent affirmation um, of our love for God and our love for other people. Leaving everything else up to God. Wouldn't the world be an awesome place if that were true for everybody? If everything we said and everything we did was a transparent reflection of my love for God and my love for other people. I don't have to straighten them out and I don't have to fix them. And by the way, I can't do either anyway. But sure, I do try once in a while. Now, so let me give you some contemporary applications. These, these You know, I'm just going to put some things out there and let you sort of graze on it and see what you think. The first one is, um, sometimes in the church there are prophetic gifts. that They are real, they are legitimate, they are in fact from God. But sometimes we use God said, uh, in order to get our will. Now, now I'm convinced that this is God's will, but sometimes at, when I speak it, when it comes to trying to direct another person or to correct another person, it borderlines on this thing of manipulation, uh, or, 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 um, uh, controlling another person in order to get my way. I have a friend, and he, uh, we jokingly say, um, you know, it was God until it wasn't. It, it was God. I really thought it was God until He showed me it wasn't. And, and all I'm saying to you as a church that practices the prophetic that our prophecy should conform to scripture primarily which is to encourage and to build up and to give comfort when people prophesy out of out of their own God said in it's directional and correctional everybody goes Ugh, I feel like I just got puked on now why is that Sorry for the crassness. That is, that is simply, uh, we know in our spirit that it has come from the flesh. And there's, you know, or or the newspaper or what's going on. And somehow this is God and you've got to do it. And guess what? Sometimes it just isn't. So I offer that as one application to this notion that we don't have to control or manipulate or try to speak what we think is God's, like we have a corner on the market. No, God's got a corner on that market. Now, that isn't to say you shouldn't prophesy. But it is to say you need to be careful that it doesn't come out of your own stuff. Don't swear by your own head. By heaven, by earth, or anywhere else. Now, the second application we're going to see in the next chapter, and that is just charitable giving. And we'll end with a couple of real quickies here charitable giving jesus said in matthew six don't um... do your charitable giving in order to be seen so that would be an example of trying to um... gain a better opinion of myself because look how generous i am jesus said no don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and what he meant by that is you don't have to um, uh... give people a try to gain a good impression of yourself by tooting your own uh, horn, so to speak. So charitable giving might be a way to draw attention to yourself or manipulate other people to having a good opinion of you. And the third one just came to me, and that is people who withhold their tithe. Because they're just, I don't know, it's not going their way. Now, do you see the application here? The tithe belongs to God. It was not uh, uh, turned... Overturned in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus said to the, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, "You tithe of your mint and cumin and your dill, your spices. If you have, you know, five ounces of of a spice, you'll carve out one ounce and give it away. That you should do without neglecting the weightier things of the law." Of like loving and being merciful, treating people with kindness and respect, you know, not uh, giving your wives pink slips and sending them. I see that's what he was talking about here. So sometimes people can actually go, you know what? I'm not giving my money because um, I don't like the color of the carpet. Now that's kind of you know foolish. We get over it. Uh, I don't I don't like the kind of music they're playing. I don't like the time of the service. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, I take what is legitimately God's and I control it in order to get my way. That's what Jesus is teaching about. He said, don't do that. Don't swear. Don't make an oath. Don't try to control. Don't try to manipulate in order to build a good opinion of yourself or to have, uh, or have uh, your own way. So the kingdom of God, then, Jesus is saying, is now available to everyone. Isn't that good news? Everyone. The kingdom is available. Everything we are and everything we do is an issue of the heart, the kingdom heart that Jesus has given to us his people. That's the point of the Sermon on the Mount so far. Now, the disciple of Jesus is a committed learner, as I have said. And let me say a couple of things. A committed learner understands, as a disciple of the king, we begin to understand that what Jesus is interested in is in our overcoming anger, contempt, and evil words toward other people. Not simply because we didn't murder. See, as disciples of Jesus, He is interested in effectively, us effectively dealing with our fantasized desire and our lust for people and things, not simply have I not done the physical act. And likewise, when it comes to divorce, Jesus said, uh, a, a disciple, a learner is committed to to not this, to doing away with this pink slip mentality. And what he's, what's he meaning there? Your relationship ought to reflect the fact that the king is influencing each of your hearts. That's the point of the contrast that Jesus is doing. Uh, and then finally, the disciple, the learner, the person who really want who wants to be Authentic. As a learner and follower of Jesus then Renounces all forms of manipulation and control Because God says just honor people and love them What would it be like If all of the people that I wanted to straighten out I simply just loved them And, and you know what I'm saying now, now, now multiply that by three or four hundred people What would it be like if we simply said, God, you're big enough to change their heart. After all, your word says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he wants. Why do I think that I have to turn people's hearts to anything? The king's big enough to do that. Now, we come then to the feast of communion, which will be the last thing that we do today. The feast is a celebration of remembrance. I would encourage you to remember, therefore, a couple things. Number one is that we are connected to the King by virtue of Him having given us a new kingdom heart. Secondly, we are direct beneficiaries of all that Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. Jesus paid it all. Isn't that good? You don't have to pay anything else. You don't have to beat yourself or get a little whip. You know, know, Jesus really did pay it all. And when we recognize that when we come, he's the king, he's given us the heart, he's accomplished everything, he sets us free. Thirdly, Jesus died for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus paid it. Isn't that good? You don't have anything in your pocket or in your bank account that could... Do anything by which of changing that sin relationship with God, except what we sung about this morning. Oh, the blood of Jesus makes me white as snow. And then remember that Jesus died as us, meaning when he died, you died. We are now dead to sin. That means we can be free from it. That's what it means. That means i can still choose to sin but when i when jesus died and i died with him uh we're dead to sin and i'm now free from uh the crippling effects of sin in my life that's why we can be transformed and then finally jesus is raised from the dead and we are now empowered to walk in newness of life you see a disciple is simply one uh who recognizes that um uh, jesus has done it all and Remembering that then on the night, the scripture says, in which Jesus was betrayed, um, sitting around the table, reclining at that table, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this represents my body, which was actually broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then secondly, Jesus, after he had eaten with his disciples, were told that he took the cup and he poured it out. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me, representing his blood that was shed so that we could be free from sin and empowered to live a new life. Let's pray together, shall we? Elders, would you come? Jim, would you join me? And Father, we set these natural elements apart for your holy service today lord as we come let this not simply be a perfunctory ritual god we're told that when we remember the real body and the real blood of jesus we contact the real spiritual life of the king Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts this morning to accomplish the establishment of your kingdom, your domain in our attitudes, in our hearts, God, through what we speak, um, through what we do, so that you alone would receive all of the glory. Would you hold the elements this morning when they come your way so that we might participate together as a family?